in the past, it was very much on the content and be a creative person. Lots of them, they're really data-driven. They try to understand how to use data. marketing world is full of buzzwords. Some of them might be confusing to you. Some of them might not be relevant to you at all. So what we are here to do on this podcast is to bring in speakers and experts from the industry to shed some light on which buzzwords are relevant to you, to your business, and why you should care. We've decided to dedicate the first season of buzzwords to the topic of AI and marketing. And here joining us today to talk about that topic is Michal Rulik, an account executive at Salesforce. Welcome to the show, Michal. Thank you for having me, Ivan. Thanks for coming in. You're a very special guest. You might be our best guest yet, mostly because you're a first guest as well. Very good. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, and I think it will be difficult to beat me. We specifically wanted to invite you first because we want to set the bar really high in terms of quality content and being an entertaining speaker as well. You know, not everybody has the luxury of knowing who Mihail Rulik is. Would you maybe just mind introducing yourself a bit? Because this podcast is mainly focused on new buzzwords, trends and technology and all other topics. So mm-hmm. I am currently working at the Salesforce. It's been almost last seven years. The funny story is that I started at Tech at 2010 as a Microsoft contractor where I was responsible for selling their Dynamics, uh, their online CRM. It was in the UK. Already back then, to be honest, uh, we were competing against Salesforce quite a lot. And that was for the first time I noticed the brand. And, you know, I checked them out and I was saying, they're really cool. And apparently they do something great because we were losing against them all the time. And a few years forward... Basically, I got an opportunity to move to Dublin to Salesforce HQ, which you know very well because we, you know, we met there and uh, started my career as a account executive, which is a um, sales uh, role for SMB markets and currently still in sales organization. But uh, I am focused primarily on digital marketing and uh, larger enterprises across Central and Eastern Europe. I used to work Polish customers, Hungary, Slovakia, Anafkade, clients in Croatia, Slovenia, basically Adriatic region as well. So it's a pretty wide range of customers. That probably allows you to kind of contrast and compare how large enterprises operate nowadays uh, in the region. When it comes to digital marketing specifically, would you say Salesforce is a significant player in the field and what kind of makes them stand out if they do? Maybe a bit history on Salesforce for the listeners, they don't know. Salesforce uh, got founded by our CEO, uh, Mark Benioff, 22 years ago. It was a very fun fact, very interesting uh, idea of Mark, basically to create an enterprise software, which will be available to everyone. And it will be possible to buy it as simply as book on Amazon. That's how Salesforce became. It's a cloud solution. So it's a subscription based. So everyone can really uh, afford it. And originally, uh, Salesforce uh, is a CRM company, Customer Relationship Management. And if you ask me what I don't like about Salesforce, for instance, it's the name, because it's very indicative that we do only sales, but we don't. And uh, since basically then, so I mean, founding 22 years ago, Salesforce grew their platform into space like digital marketing. And we are certainly a leader's. 
in this space. So that's the quick uh, background story. When you say Salesforce is now a leader in digital marketing, what makes it really stand out? Why is it a successful product in this field? I think it's really a unique position because everything is uh, circling around the uh, customer. And I think the unique selling point or why Salesforce is different uh, compared to other players in the market is that, yes, even if we're talking about marketing, it is not only about marketing. And, you know, nowadays you need to share your data across your sales, um, back office, customer care, contact centers. And that's what the Salesforce platform does essentially. So we can connect all of the dots and pieces of your entire business customer really in a center and marketing is playing the, the crucial part of it. So it's the power of the entire platform. Really, we don't talk about the siloed solution. I'm really curious. Obviously, the topic of this season is uh, it's all about AI, but also about marketing. I would love to hear a point of view from yourself related to uh, digital marketing. So for Salesforce specifically, and maybe for you and talking to your clients, what do you see as the big critical items on everyone's to-do list? So if I'm a marketeer, what should I really care about? I think we are in quite a exciting times because I think it's a good place and time to be a marketer. There is a lot of things changing and basically the trends and, and what I see that the, the customers are, are focusing on and, and they want to Im improve upon is four things. It's integration, meaning what I was talking about. So uh, get from the siloed single channels into one platform. Second part or bit is the identity. So meaning that historical marketing was built really about the audiences. Now everything is moving to one-to-one -one personalized communication. It goes and bridges to artificial intelligence machine learning because with the vast of data, the customer is working, you can't do it manually. So you need really uh, artificial intelligence, which currently is more a diagnostic, let's say, function role. It means that you can really work with your you know, historical data. You can uh, predefine basic algorithm um, to help you maybe to to recommend the right content maybe to to tell you if you as a Ivan you consume the messages on email or via sms or you prefer mobile application and maybe when to send the particular message so really to identify when 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 you opening and again consuming the the content But I think the future goes to more predictive artificial mm -hmm. intelligence that's really based on your, let's say, behavior and the signals, the moments uh, you're leaving and how you interact with the brand. So in a real time, they will be able to recommend particular relevant um, message content offer, whatever um, it okay. is. That sounds to me like a fundamental shift when it comes to marketing, right? Because they say it's all about capturing intent. So if you know what I would need a month from now, you would probably market that product to me, making it more likely for me to buy from you. So that's a huge shift for me, this predictive piece. To be very honest, when we compare um, and mature markets, uh, you know, United States, West uh, overall, you know, the UK, um, Germany, and let's say the, the market I'm working on, which is Central Eastern Europe, I still think uh, we are behind. And even, you know, in the mm. United States, still the brands, they building up on it. It's, it's, it's pretty new. There are a few probably companies, they doing this, let's say, hyper personalization, you know, one of the buzzwords uh, we can touch yeah. Uh, yeah. real time, you know, pretty well. But still, most of the companies, they need to master the, the foundation and slowly to get there. But yeah, those, those are the, the main topics. And, and the fourth one, just, just to maybe add, is, um, is the speed. 
basically spin means that you're moving from asynchronous uh, communication to contextual and it's very related to customer journeys right so again you don't you don't do only one channel uh, at a time but you combine the entire communication as mm. as i behave with you as a consumer of, of the brand if we can just circle back to one thing you said which is that adoption here of this let's say cutting edge technology is a couple of years back compared to more mature markets like the US, Western Europe. That seems to be a kind of a consistent trend. Even if you go back 10, you know, 20, 30 years, it seems to be always the case that this market or these markets right here, they're just a bit slower when it comes to adoption. I'm just wondering, because you've been in this industry for so long, have you given any thought to why that might be the case? I was really thinking about it. I don't know if it's the mindset, access to, to those technologies, but I think with the globalization and let's say those new players uh, such as Salesforce, you know, penetrating, coming to those markets like Czech Republic or, or others, it's it's obviously making for the customers local one better. But I think it's my opinion, right? But but some of the companies, they're just happy where they are. They don't have this number one mindset to be all the time better. And rather, instead of being pioneer or we calling them trailblazers, they rather to watch and learn, try to grasp what's happening somewhere else and do it slightly later mm. rather than to be the first one in the market. And it's probably across the, the CEO. The other thing is that it really depends if you are a large enterprise with 150 years of history story and you know you've got a lot of legacy behind you and to transform such a business it's fairly difficult then you are a new arising company as a salesforce as a facebook you know 20 years if you think about it, it's nothing mm. really but of course it's much easier for us to start from the day one to use it rather than to be really 100 years of company some conservative you know banks and change everything sure. over the night so that's different sure. as well when you kind of think about it this also kind of opens the door for disruption. So if you're a bank and you are really risk averse and you would rather learn from other people's mistakes, uh, this is where you can you know, potentially lose market share or miss out on an opportunity. So what I'm kind of hearing you say is it's also a, it's an attitude question as well. So would you rather take a risk or would you rather play it super safe, give it enough time to see results in action and then you make a decision to go with the flow or essentially not change anything? What's your kind of preferred approach to fixing a problem that a company might have? I always saying, right, if someone asks me, so what I do, so as I said, I'm in sales organization. So obviously I am essentially responsible for selling. However, I think we do more really helping to to build the strategies to our potential customers, how they can engage better with their consumers or, or customers. So it is really more on the, you know, advisory level rather than just, you know, you sell and, and mm -hmm. leave. We work actually surprisingly, so maybe listeners so overall the perception of Salesforce is that we work only with the large enterprises, but it is not entirely true. We actually grew up from a uh, small end businesses, I would say a portfolio, and we grew up to, to enterprises. So we work um, on this scale, plus across the different verticals, you know, being actually financial services, insurance, e-commerce, mm -hmm. FMCG. So then in a way, you're trying to find someone that speaks your language. Look, we, we're here to educate as well, you know, to put some awareness, to, to inspire. Yeah. But, but of course, uh, um, if this one works and, and they 
open-minded and, and, and ready to do a change. That's super crucial. I think we are at the beginning with Salesforce stepping into our regions. I think in five years, uh, Salesforce will be becoming a, I would even say, must-to-have platform when you really want to go through some you know, heavy digital transformation and be competitive uh, in a market. That's how really confident mm-hmm. we feel and the success we, we had so far. I think you just used one of my favorite words, uh, which was effectively being competitive and you know finding that competitive advantage your unfair advantage if you'd like and that's something that we see as well is it really doesn't matter how big a company is it's more about what they aspire to be and you would sometimes find businesses who really prioritize their customers in a sense where they will invest in the right solution to make sure they have that one-to-one connection not on paper but in real life I think you mentioned this kind of one-to-one contextual relationship with every single customer. That sounds very ambitious to kind of, you know, borrow another word you just used there. It sounds very, very ambitious. So so what's Salesforce and their plan of action? Can you actually execute this in real life? It sounds very ambitious to me. I agree with you. Everyone talks about it. Everyone wants to do that. And admittedly, it sounds much easier on the paper than in a reality to really achieve such a personalized communication the good thing is that you do have a currently technology such as Salesforce who really helps you, I- enable you to do that, but you still need to have a good people and obviously strategy how you're going to achieve that. So the technology is the enabler. You still need to have a right team around you as well. It's really like go to step by step, right? So the worst thing that someone is coming and saying, you know, I want to do, you know, really cool, you know, one-to-one, omni-channel, whatever, all of the buzzwords using the, mm-hmm. the communication, but they barely understand the behavior of their consumer or, or customer, right? what is really happening, what are the touch points and stuff like that. So we always try to uh, push a bit back and basically they need to realize they need to have a strong foundation which goes right. to, to data. Data is a, a new currency as, as everyone is saying and it's, it's really true especially nowadays. This is where you need to start. Yeah and there is a, a lots of changes in marketing uh, around around the data uh, specifically to be. It's going to be a biggest challenge in, in upcoming years for, for marketers. Certainly we see it as well. Um, in our world, it used to be enough that you would say to a client, we're going to help you um, connect with your customers. But now companies are saying, well, hold on, do you know who my customers are? Uh, and not just in totality. The question is, do you know my customers individually? Can you help me really understand who they are, what they do, uh, what's their preferences? So from, from this perspective, I think that the challenge is absolutely going to be there. It's probably there already. Salesforce, state of marketing, um, last year's edition is 2021. I, I don't believe 2022 is out there just yet, but effectively what the report says in most condensed possible form is 66% of customers actually expect companies to know and anticipate and understand their needs and wants. But at the same time, digital marketeers, whose job it is to fulfill that, 80% of them are still heavily relying on third-party data. And we know there's a shift waiting to happen there as well. How do you see this actually playing out? And what can companies do to prepare? No, you, you're absolutely right. And I, I can probably confirm that, the, especially the, the second number, right? The 80, you said 80% of, uh, of marketeers are still reliant on the third-party cookies. And um, that's the biggest shift you've probably, or you might have heard that there is something which is called cookie-less world. And it's going to uh, significantly change how whole marketing is uh, to, done and happening. To, to be honest with you, I don't think I want to live in a world without cookies. There are companies out there who just overdo it, they over-engineer it, 
or they just completely, you know, they just misconstrue what a discount is supposed to do. And, and actually, I can share a personal story about that as well. If I can go back in time a couple of years, right before I became a father, I remember waking up on a Saturday morning. I think at the time I just moved to Prague in my inbox. And, you know, I was at the time a customer. So I had bought products from them. But what really surprised me was that the subject of that email was, hey, Ivan, happy Father's Day. And that was surprising to me because at the time I wasn't even a father. So that kind of caught me by surprise and that kind of you know made me look into why that might be an email that I'm supposed to receive on a Saturday morning. We did a bit of kind of Sherlock Holmes work. What I found out is that, you know, one, fact one, is at no point in time had I told Adidas that I'm about to become a father because my wife at the time was pregnant and we were expecting. But interestingly enough, my wife had actually tagged me on an Instagram post with the hashtag, I'm not sure, but I would imagine something like, you know, mommy to be, daddy to be, something like that. So my profile was tagged by her on her post, on her feed. And um, that's all it took to essentially, and I'm assuming here, I'm guessing a bit, to essentially combine my customer profile, the fact that I had a purchase history, so likely to buy again if they've bought before, right? It's a simple predictor. But also the new kind of input to the formula was, okay, um, here's a future father or you know, somebody who will be a father very soon. And that led to this email getting shot out, and sent to me. Now, it did have a discount code in that email, 15%, if I recall, maybe 20 But I didn't buy. I didn't act on that trigger. It didn't prompt me to complete a transaction, even though it was very smartly designed. It was beautiful. It actually had a couple of uh, running shoes, I think, that, you know, at the time I'd looked at before. So it kind of connected all the data pots, like the, the data was connected, like the data points were linked to each other and they did make sense, but not to me at that point in time, because it was missing this kind of contextual part to a certain extent. You can do it all right, but without the context, this one-to-one hyper-personalized understanding of this specific customer, you can miss it. That's a good story, right? An example. And I think what you said, one important thing is that you didn't give a consent on your own, you didn't share the Facts. data that you, exactly you becoming Facts. a father and suddenly, you know, it pop up on you and I can understand that that is exactly what it should change, that you should have you as a consumer data under control, you know what you're sharing with whom and you absolutely fine with that and the brands or the, the companies uh, should act on it and uh, target you with those information which you allow them uh, to be shared. So, and I believe, yeah, in in a, in a future, those uh, tactics, what we you know went through with the third-party cookies and all of the the changes with the Google and and Apple, uh, will be slowly disappearing. You know, might be something new, different that they will find a workaround. But trends, the market, all of the smarter people. Then, then I am here saying that not really, and it will be what we talk about to really strong uh, data strategy. Earn you as a consumer and be transparent mm-hmm. and you really know what, what is happening with your data. To be honest, I'm, I'm maybe because I'm from industry and I'm not naive about the, the data tracking and what can really be sort of gathered, collected uh, about you. And, and plus, I'm very curious. So when I go to a new brand um, or, you know, I encounter with uh, some new company, I'll actually try to give them as much data as possible because I right. want to see what's going to be the, the communication, okay. how they how they use that, right? And 
it's a good uh, a learning point for me as well. Sometimes shocking. Shocking stories Shock- are the best stories. Do we? Now I've got a listen. I've got a fun story. So I, I went to a <laughs> it's a retail clothes shop and I went there a couple of times. I actually sign up for the loyalty. So they've got a, my okay. name. They've got a, my date of birth, the historical purchases uh, and stuff like that. Been there several times and after I received uh, an email promotion, which was written, Dear Mrs. And second, they were offering me a dresses for a ball, you know, graduation ball. So so this is an important disclaimer, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt your flow. This is purely audio, so... For the audience, Michal Rulik is definitely not wearing a dress right now <laughs> and is very unlikely to be wearing a dress at any point in time in the future. So that was really interesting, <laughs> interesting, let's say, marketing campaign completely irrelevant. And to be honest, if it happens, like not for me, but I think the majority of people will just hit the unsubscribe button. Sure, sure. And uh, it's so as easy you, to do now. And, and yeah. you, you will not really want to engage with them. But uh, yeah. you, you, you're taking personally, right? You don't want to... You don't want to be considered as a one of many because now yeah. we mm-hmm. we saying even in marketing all all the roads lead to individual. That's that's the big sort of statement oh, okay. that uh, you know we we using as well. These words. Currency is only going to increase in importance. Kind of makes me think that you know for sure we would need a smart way of managing, handling that data, analyzing it. Is artificial intelligence involved in this? And how? Yes, it is. It's probably one of the other exciting uh, area in marketing, which is artificial intelligence. Everyone really talks about it. Uh, we'll be very honest, you know, again, I'm not the AI expert, but as I see it, and I think what is super important is that the, the marketers will have access to artificial intelligence without being a scientist. Okay. That's super important, right? Because you've got a really team of, you know, scientists building everything background, but the marketers needs to, the outcome. And I, I think again, Salesforce uh, succeed here because a platform there is an embedded artificial intelligence or machine learning which uh, helps essentially marketers to work with this uh, amount of, of data they're collecting and being for instance uh, to really help you to understand or, or predict uh, is is there a you know too much communication going to you so you are saturated so maybe you should pull back a bit of course you know what what content and uh, you know works better and um, you know what audience or, or people's, you know, we're talking still about uh, segments, even we moving from there. Basically, it's like a little wizard or for, for a marketers who, who really help them to do the entire communication better. And it's uh, related to uh, real time as well, because now... Okay, yeah. real time. Real time. So t- right. t- talk to me about that in real time. Real time marketing, big thing. Um, everyone, everyone wants to have everything uh, in, in a real time. But uh, I think there is a bit of misconceptions uh, and I've heard quite an interesting interesting comparison, which I'll try to uh, tell you and explain. And because, you know, I think you are into martial arts as well. I love Bruce Lee and um, there was a really interesting uh, comparison that um, real-time marketing and Bruce Lee's legendary fighting scene. Mm. So... You know, he always win, but right, like he's got a, he's surrounded by the guys. But the, the reason is that he is attacked one by one. True. Yeah. Right? By his <laughs> opponents instead of that they will jump on, on him and they would definitely beat him even he is really, really skilled, uh, you know, martial artist. 
And to be honest, the, the real-time marketing and the entire approach has some similarities with that. So to imagine that the opponents uh, representing Bruce Lee's shopping data and, uh, you know, it can be his last purchase, you know, some propensity to buy with additional discount. There we going, you know, into right, machine, right. machine mm-hmm. learning, a bit, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, maybe some red flag that he might churn because he actually didn't buy anything, you know, for a long time. Uh, or, you know, he might unsubscribe because, again, uh, maybe, um, you know, AI tells us uh, that uh, oversaturated. Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. oversaturated. And, you know, all those uh, machine learning, uh, decisioning and other activities are actually happening in a, in a background. They are pre-prepared, pre, pre-modeled. So it is not happening in a real time. What is happening in a real time, you do, you do particular behavior. And, and for instance, so I recognize the signal that I might unsubscribe. So you in real time trying to right. mm-hmm. do and communicate with me. But what is happening in the background, there is a lot of data information. It's not necessarily in a, in a real time. And I think there is a bit of misconception uh, in, in a, in amongst, uh, let's say, marketers that if they talk in real time, they're really thinking even the, the consuming and preparing data. Yes, at some point you need to do that, but still, you know, sort of to have a batch data or load, prepare the algorithm really think how to consume it is still happening and, and it, it will be that's the that the message or you know the bruce lee's opponents when they jump on him and you see okay this is the particular he talks about that's that's very triggered so what i want to say is that it doesn't mean that all, all of the data you have that you need to immediately throw on me but you need to really wait what i'm gonna do and what's right. the best at this particular time and there is a lot of step which happening uh, mm-hmm. prior to you know this uh, this action or, or fight with uh, with bruce lee you kind of have to you know build a sequence right that that's what it comes yeah, down to exactly right? yeah by the way imagine a bruce lee movie where like all the bad guys jump him at the same time that would be a horrible bruce lee movie wouldn't it yeah it would, would you watch it i wouldn't watch it yeah, at all wouldn't i wouldn't I, either i think i like them the way they are now just <laughs> exactly fine. yeah if you're a marketeer nowadays, that has to be a tough job because you know we, we kind of quoted some statistics a bit earlier. Um, 80% of them over-rely or heavily rely on third-party data, and that's gone soon, right? But now also they have to be able to kind of speak this artificial intelligence language as well, kind of adopt it as a tool that's available to them. Even if it's there to help their lives easier, they still have to you know fundamentally understand what it is. It's a t- tough times to be a marketeer, would you say? I agree, and... I've never been myself a uh, marketeer, but I've met hundreds, maybe thousands, you know. Okay, really in decent my, enough sample in, size. In, in, my, in my career. And, and, and you see that even the person has, um, it's, it's slightly changing because I think in the past um, it was more, it was very much, you know, on a, on a, on a content and, um, you know, be a creative person, mm-hmm. right? I feel lots of them, they, they've really data-driven like I'm not saying they are scientists, but they've really, you know, analytical. They really try to understand the overall right, journey. Right. You know, what data points, uh, how to use data. So even I think the the mindset and the skill set of the um, of of the marketers using the new mm-hmm. technologies 
is uh, obviously changing compare you know the, what was in the past so yeah and as i said at the beginning it is um, it is definitely difficult i think it's good as it's a good opportunity for them because we even see that um, more money goes into marketing you know mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. the companies uh, um, brands and they realize that it is not only to have a good traffic on your website but you need to your marketing should really you know build a relationship really to help you with a customer experience and at the end of the day to grow your business right to help you to to grow the revenue because those channels to digital channels it's basically it's the face of the company nowadays so you can still go to a retail store but we go on the website who it is right so there is so many moving uh, bits and pieces so they they're really really important in this whole ecosystem of the customer experience and the artificial intelligence again i think we are still you know tip of the iceberg there okay. is still a lot there is a lots of buzz you know probably there is a curve that usually it's like a big big buzz and after it's dropping down but it's it's um it's it's there salesforce working on it um as well you know trying to be really accessible and i think we see or we will see like more and more creeping interesting uh, stuff you know in terms of personalization and um yeah and uh, recommendations and stuff like that that's definitely good to hear because you know if i'm one of these you know 80% of marketeers i could you know use all the help i can get um because it sounds like their world is changing for them anyway so they would have to change as well and um kind of evolve in a way in terms of the way they address their customers yeah and you can't do without again right if you imagine that you would do everything manually without any um let's say machine help mm-hmm. right uh, essentially it's an anyway ai for us it's a machine learning it's simply it's simply impossible on the scale especially if you want to do on this the you know as i said everything goes to individual so on one to one level mm-hmm. that's that's where you need uh, the help it's something i would say you know smarter helps you to to make it really more personalized you kind of use the words data driven and i have a bit of a pet peeve when it comes to data driven and i don't mean to nitpick but data driven basically implies that the algorithm such as it is will essentially make that decision for me as a marketeer. So what's your point of view? Is is this what we headed where, you know, technology and algorithms would essentially maybe not replace but maybe make marketeers obsolete or is it more data informed such that, you know, it kind of enriches your decision making process? So how, how do you see this dynamic mm. play out? I actually overall right, I don't believe that AI will be and now let's forget about marketing but overall in the world okay. they will be replacing us you know sometimes there is this fear you know if we will have a too machine many, too many movies too many too movies. many movies but uh, but look there is a the perception of, of sums that yeah we you know people will be losing jobs uh, but still i don't think in, in my opinion especially not not in marketing it's always be a combination of of the human still you need to tell the mm-hmm. machine where to focus what to do right. you know what, what data and of course the machine or the ai is a is is learning you know but based based on that but i think it it will be a combination of both i still think that now it's more the the human you know a bit probably the percentage might be shifting mm-hmm. so but i don't think that this sort of role disappear and there will be only a machine you know to make it because you're trying to be more humanized in a digital mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that's where you still need you know our our touch so you and i are not going to be out of a job anytime soon right that's what you're i don't know how about you <laughs> definitely not me but <laughs> okay well uh, let's let's pass this on to your line manager then just to make sure it's on paper <laughs> and on air yeah very good very good well thanks very reassuring 
Just want to mention that thoughts shared in this podcast are my personal view and not representing the official Salesforce. Thanks for joining the show. Subscribe to the feed. There'll be more good content coming shortly. And in the meantime, if you want to find out more, you can just look up bizwars.com. And yes, there'll be a link in the show notes. Bizwords, powered by Mind to Flow.